We want to remind our listeners that this program is for informational and educational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional veterinary medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The Animal Medical Center does not recommend or endorse any products or services advertised by SiriusXM. Welcome to Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. This is the place to talk about your pets and get advice with a top veterinarian from the Animal Medical Center in NYC. Hear from the leading authorities on animals and give us a call to ask your questions. Now, here's your host, Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. Well, hello, everyone. It's good to be with you today on Ask the Vet here on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Hohenhaus, a board-certified internist and oncologist at the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center here on the Upper East Side of New York City. I'm sitting here in my office on the fourth floor of the largest animal hospital in the world coming to you today. Ask the Vet is also available as a podcast, thanks to our partnership with SiriusXM Radio. And you can access the Ask the Vet podcast on all major podcast platforms. At the Animal Medical Center, we keep families together by providing the absolute best care for pets. If you have a question about your pet's health, just call and leave me a message, and I'll answer your question on next month's Ask the Vet program. It's that easy. Just call our toll-free number and leave a voicemail message, 866-993-8267. And if you didn't have a pen or pencil available, that's fine. During one of the breaks, find one, and I'll give this number again later on during the show. So today, I've got a wonderful, feel-good, trending animal story for you. This is, well, this is really not a trending animal story, but it's a story about children and animals. 20 of the oldest, hardest to adopt animals at the Richmond Animal Care and Control Shelter finally found their forever homes, thanks to a group of six and seven-year-old students. Kenzie Jones, a shelter volunteer, and a teacher at St. Michael's Episcopal School in Richmond, Virginia, was looking for a way to teach pervasive, persuasive writing. She came up with a unique project in collaboration with the shelter's director, Christine Chips Peters. The second graders learned all about the 24 dogs and one cat languishing in the shelter, their age, their breed, their background and personality. And then the students were assigned to write a letter about their animal in the voice of the animal as a persuasive essay to help motivate potential adopters to adopt the animals. The letters were heartfelt and pure joy. Let me share you a couple of excerpts from the letters. First, do you want to adopt me? I can snuggle with you. I promise that I will be a good dog. You can even sleep with me if you want. The letters, along with adorable drawings of each animal, were posted on each kennel. And before too long, nearly all the animals were adopted. Kenzie Jones, the teacher of that classroom and creative teacher, mind you, hopes that teachers everywhere will consider partnering with their local shelter to help animals in need find forever homes. And I think that is a great idea, too. And I got to take a break and dab the tears because that was such a great story. Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. Weekends on Sirius XM Stars.
The Animal Medical Center has had some unusual animals come here for treatment. I'm talking about penguins, lemurs, swans, red-tailed hawks, and even a six-week-old 200-pound foal. That's a baby horse. It fit in the elevator, however. But the most interesting by far has to be Rico, a jaguar from the Essex County Turtleback Zoo in West Orange, New Jersey. Rico was transported to AMC by a police escort. And I know this to be true because I came into work and was riding in the elevator with a policeman who was not an NYPD member. We have them here all the time. But this guy had an Essex County police badge on. And I wondered why someone from Essex County was in our elevator, forgetting that that was the day that Rico was coming in. So he came to AMC with his police escort so that he wouldn't get delayed in the Lincoln Tunnel or hung up on the New Jersey Turnpike. And he came to AMC for a dual appointment with AMC's dentistry, um, diagnostic imaging and surgery teams. And so with that, I'm delighted to welcome two of the specialists who took care of Rico the Jaguar that day, my colleagues, Dr. Dan Spector and Dr. Django Martel. Now, should any of you hear drilling or a lot of clanging in the background, that's because Dr. Martel is actually coming to us from AMC's dentistry suite, where he's in still in the middle of performing a dental with some extractions in the dentistry room. Um, Dr. Dan Spector is a senior veterinarian and a board certified specialist in surgery. He's the service head of Surgical Service 2 and our Surgery Residency Program Director here at AMC. He graduated from Tufts University School of Veterinary Medicine and then did a rotating internship in medicine and surgery at the Angel Animal Medical Center in Boston. He then came here to complete his surgery residency and then was a staff surgeon in the Chicago area for several years came back to New York City and finally migrated back to the Animal Medical Center, where he's been since about 2015. His professional focus includes soft tissue and orthopedic surgery with a focus on minimally invasive and reconstructive surgery. And Dr. Spector enjoys spending time with his family, cooking, hiking, and running. Uh, Dr. Django Martel is a senior veterinarian and one of two diplomates at AMC from the American Veterinary Dental College. He's a Cornell graduate, earned his degree in veterinary medicine from Cornell's College of Veterinary Medicine, and worked as a, in general practice in downtown Manhattan for several years. Then he was in Chicago for one year before he returned to New York City and completed a six-year veterinary dentistry and oral residency at AMC. Dr. Martel lives in New York City with his wife, a physician, their son, and many saltwater fish and coral. So I want to say thanks to both of you for joining me today on Ask the Vet, because I know it's, it's been another busy day here at the Animal Medical Center. So let's start at the beginning. Can one of you tell me how Rico the Jaguar came to AMC? How, how did he figure out he needed our services? I could answer that. Okay. Uh, this is Dr. Martel Django. Um, doc, the, the veterinarian at the Turtleback Zoo, Dr. Kaylee Anderson, had found out that um, 
that Rico had broken his tooth actually on New Year's Eve and it was bleeding. He was painful. And she was looking for somebody to repair it. So she actually just emailed me and asked me if I would be willing to come to the zoo. Um, and, and so we started having a conversation, but then in the, in the process of it, it turned out that Rico also had some orthopedic problems. And so we sort of, in the midst of a couple of back and forth discussions, realized that we could maybe do everything here. So let me let me ask a follow up question on that, and that is, how does a jaguar break its tooth? Yeah, I, um, I they don't know exactly what happened. I have my own theory that maybe there was um, fireworks because it was New Year's, but maybe not. I think it was on the cage because they have metal bars and. The jaguar, the big cats use their teeth for everything, and it's not uncommon for them to actually break their teeth. Unfortunately, um, it happened. And which tooth did Rico break? And he, and I don't want those numbers that you guys put on teeth. I want to know, like, is it a molar or a fang? Broke his right upper fang, canine tooth, a big, big tooth. Yeah. So, so then, um, what was the orthopedic issue that Dr. Spector had to work on? I'll let him talk about it. Well, I found out about Rico. I, I won't forget. I was actually sitting in my kitchen table eating breakfast with my kids. I wasn't there one that day. And Django emailed me uh, asking uh, about this jaguar from the zoo who needed a root canal but also had some orthopedic injuries and if I would be willing to potentially coordinate with him. Um, and after the uh, cheering and applause of my, my children sort of quieted down, obviously uh, I, was, I was all for it. And so um, Rico had been limping quite a bit on his front leg <clears throat> um, for the past several months. Uh, the, the keepers and his team had been noticing and they have a, they have a traveling, um, surgeon, a uh, colleague, a friend of mine, actually, uh, who um, had helped them take some anesthetized x-rays and figured out that his limping or his discomfort was coming from his, his elbow. Um, and it looked like from the x-ray, there was concern uh, that he had a problem with from his, in his elbow, honestly, similar to what large breed puppies get, uh, components of elbow dysplasia. Um, and the best way to sort of further evaluate this and determine treatment options is to do a CAT scan. And that's really how I ultimately uh, got involved was to have Rico come to the Animal Medical Center, not only for the first stages of his root canal, but also for potentially a CAT scan of, of his elbow. So we did a CAT scan on a big cat. Um, and how, you know, how does the big cat fit into our cat scan? He he is a big cat. He's he's he was only about I say only, but he was 63 kilograms, so about 130, 140 pounds or so. So he was really 
about the size of a, a large Great Dane or something like that. So fortunately, uh, the CAT scan that we have here was uh, was able to uh, accommodate his his arms. And so he got a CAT scan. Uh, all this happening under general anesthesia in Rico um, because he came to us anesthetized, right? Yeah, he was anesthetized coming here and leaving here and his entire time throughout here. And so did he have his own personal veterinarian come with him from the zoo? He did. He had uh, their head veterinarian from the Turtleback Zoo, uh, as well as uh, his, I believe, his primary keeper um, and some other folks uh, from, from the zoo as well that traveled from uh, New Jersey here. And then so his that whole zoo team stayed with him, as did our whole you know, surgical, dental, anesthesia, imaging teams. Yeah, the room was really crowded. I couldn't wedge my way in to see the pretty boy. So once what happened first, uh, Django, can you what happened first when when Rico got here? So when he first got here after he had his CAT scan first and it was a whole coordinated effort and actually uh, our anesthesiology team also helped intubate him bring him up to the eighth floor, get the comb beam, CT, uh, get the, the CT done. Uh, and then he was brought down to the third floor to have the root canal done. And that was, uh, I think that took about 40 minutes to do. And it was, the thing about it is that it was a very bloody tooth because it was a fresh fracture. And the jaguar canine is huge and very uh, vibrant. And when they are freshly fractured, they tend to bleed a lot. And you cannot complete a root canal until the bleeding stops. So we, uh, I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but we, we ended up doing is a temporary root canal on him, which uh, made it for a shorter procedure, but would also mean that I, I would have to go back and finish it at a later date. Um, so so you say this is a very big tooth, but I don't think since none of us, not me and no one listening, saw this tooth. How big is it? Like six inches long? Um, close to that in um, from. I just made that up. I, I thought you would say no, no, no. Four and a half inches to five inches long from tip to the to the apex, the bottom of the root. And, and I mean, it's massive and, and uh, we need very special, even more specialized tools to get down to the bottom of that. It's, um, you know, most of the, the files that are made to do root canals originally are made for people and we have very short teeth when we started doing veterinary dentistry endodontics to do root canals, we had to lengthen them uh, about double the length. But for zoo animals, namely big cats, uh, bears, they have um, root canals lengths that are um, twice that of large dogs. So they get really long and we, 
have had to have these special instruments fabricated for our really specific industry um, to take care of. So, so did did we have to pre-organize that before Rico got here? Well, we uh, we meaning myself and the other dentists in in the dentistry department. Not uncommonly will we go to zoos to work on large cats um, and large carnivores. And so we have a fairly comprehensive set that is called, you know, the zoo set, basically, that we keep on standby. Um, And if, if a human dentist ever comes and visits, that's the first thing I show them because that really impresses them <laughs> to see these things that are four to five times the lengths of human teeth. They're, so, they're- so then that brings up a question is that we had to fix Rico's elbow because he was limping. Did, did we have to have special equipment for the procedure that he needed for his elbow? Fortunately not. Uh, We have a fairly extensive um, arthroscopy set up with all of the equipment that we would need. Um, And because even though normally the the dogs that we are doing arthroscopy on are much, much smaller, um, you know, uh, it was still sufficient with, with all the equipment that we had to be able to explore his whole joint. So what were you looking for when you were exploring the joint? Actually, basically like a pebble in a shoe, um, which is sort of what was what was going on. It's called a fragment of, of bone, um, likely congenital, um, but a fragment of bone that was sort of loose in his elbow, uh, in his elbow joint and causing problems with his cartilage. So um, we went in, I went in with the camera and then a couple other small instruments, little graspers uh, to look at his cartilage look at the joint surface and then remove that little that little fragment. And could you see the fragment on the CT scan? What we thought we saw as, as the fragment, I, I think was probably a variation of, of normal, um, even though it wasn't there on the other side. Um, we, we got a sense of arthritis, which leads us to the likelihood of having a fragment in there. So arthroscopy is as much diagnostic as it is therapeutic. So um, there were two, the, those were the two reasons that we performed the scope was to get a look in his elbow to see more definitively what was going on as well as to remove the fragment we expected based on the CAT scan. And how big was the fragment? Not as impressive as, as, his, as his canine tooth, I will say. Django uh, <laughs> had the bigger one on that. Um, but it was about three to four millimeters. And in a joint that is very, very small, like an elbow joint, um, that, that's a fairly sizable uh, fragment um, causing a lot of damage in there. So it's like having a small rock in your joint. And every time you bend your leg, you're, you got that rock in there. That's exactly it. And it causes damage to the cartilage or the lining of the joint, which I could see with the camera. Um, And so in addition to removing that little pebble, that little fragment, um, I also cleaned up some of that really unhealthy cartilage uh, back down to, you know, have some more bleeding bone so that newer cartilage would heal in there so that not only was the cause removed, but hopefully his, his elbow will improve over time as he slowly heals. So do we know if he's walking better? 
I, I was getting weekly videos of him and he was walking better, still limping, but these, this, these are slow uh, surgeries to, to heal. Cartilage grows very slowly. Um, he has been improving. I uh, am awaiting my most recent video update. You know, unfortunately, we can't get the same lameness exams as we would in a dog or cat world is a little different with a jaguar. Um, Django was out there most recently uh, uh, finishing the, the root canal, so he may have seen him or, or heard more recently, but he is improving, but I think he has more improvement to go. Well, it's only what a couple months since you guys had this big extravaganza of imaging arthroscopy and root canal. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. And if he were a dog, he would be on strict crate rest still right now and just going for leash walks. Obviously, that's impossible with a jaguar. You can't. Well, can't they could they confine him or he, he would get nuts if you boxed yeah. him up? Yeah, that's the problem with uh, when or, or I shouldn't say problem. The difference between treating the zoo animals uh, as, as compared to the domestic species is the domestic species you know, can be a little bit anxious in a crater, can find space, but we can manage that uh, with the bigger animals, the, the big cats, or even when we've worked on monkeys and things like that, there's a lot more uh, social anxiety, uh, interpersonal issues that happen between animals that we have to be much more cognizant and aware of. So that's why for, for me, you know, equipment wise, it's all the same, but post-operatively, a lot of changes um, are required for zoo animals uh, as opposed to domestic species. Well, and I, I think that that's an important takeaway for our listeners is that the anatomy may be pretty much the same. The equipment is pretty much the same. And then the, the social structure, the hierarchical structure and the husbandry of these zoo animals is not like fluffy the cat that's sleeping on your sofa sort of thing um, and that's why it takes this gigantic team of specialists in managing zoo animals and orthopedic specialists and teeth specialists all this all these people to manage these problems in these cats so i want to go back to part two of the root canal because part one of the root canal was done here and part two of the root canal sounds to me like it was the ultimate in veterinary house calls definitely um i brought a relatively small case of tools with me. You actually don't need that much to do a root canal. Um, and I'm barely used to bringing this kit with me. Um, they had a dental drill there and, uh, you know, a lot of other equipment. So I, I can bring us pretty small kit. Um, when I got there, they had uh, pole darted uh, the jet to Rico and and then it took them uh, maybe half an hour or so to get him under general anesthesia right in his, in his um, you know, in his caged area, which is sort of like not on on exhibit and uh, went in there into the cage. Um, there were only maybe three or four people there uh, finished the root canal, which looked great. And they um they use a for for x-rays to make sure that we have a good completed root canal which is important to get they used a uh, a horse x-ray generator which is a portable unit that that creates the energy to to get the x-ray beams and then 
we used a, a special um, phosphor plate that you can then um, digitize and get and scan. And uh, so they have a nice setup there that, that we used. Um, and the, the x-ray looked great when it was done. And I think that whole process took maybe 45 minutes or so. And I hung around there to watch him recover. Um, he looked great. So it was all in all a, a nice experience. And so were you, you guys, I want to hear from each one of you, like, was it scary in any way or to work on this Jaguar? Uh, it's a pretty intensely controlled environment. So um, I, I, I have great faith in um, the zoo vets and our anesthesia team, but, um, and they also have a lot of safety protocols uh, in place that, um, you know, they really are protecting all the people involved and the staff involved in it. Um, there's, there, there's a lot of rules and regulations that keep us safe during it. So not, not necessarily, but um, I, I have a lot of respect for the people that do the initial darting because um, that that part seems a little scary to me. <laughs> Dan? Yeah, I, I would echo that. I um, uh, the, the working with the, the, the veterinary, keeping the, the husbandry team from the zoo uh, is, is incredible watching them them work. Um, and absolutely, our, our anesthesia team uh, is phenomenal. So um, it was more just uh, since I don't get to work on big cats uh, nearly as much as, as Django, is more just incredible being around him, though anesthetized, obviously, but being around him. It was just awesome to, to get to, to work on him and, and with him and working with the team. But I absolutely agree being in the general vicinity of that initial darting of much smaller and less, uh, uh, you know, different types of animals. I have immense respect for the people who do that with, you know, the larger cats and the larger animals like, like Rico. So did you guys do any sort of dress rehearsal before Rico got here and said, okay, we're going to do it in this order. You're going to do this. This team's going to do that. Did you have like a game plan for the day? Cause this it sounds like it went off without a hitch and it sounds like it could have had a lot of hitches. Um, there was a, a lot of organization that was done ahead of time. And um, in fact, we were supposed to do him um, two or three weeks before that. But um, the, the zoo veterinarian actually got sick that night and um, we had to abort the whole thing. The police escort had to like you know, not, they were all set to go. And I think some people even showed up here at six in the morning that day. So we, we, we had to reorganize a second whole day to do it. But when that day came, everything went really well, but there was a lot of interdepartmental organization. Uh, and there were probably, uh, I don't know, at least 20 people involved in the whole process between the zoo and our departments maybe even more than that looked like at least 20 people in the room that day would be my take on the whole thing. Um, well, 
another thing too there you know he he came in a in like a cargo van and then he has to be taken out of the van and placed onto one of our big rolling stretchers but to do that he's on like a big tarp and physically probably six to eight people it takes to kind of lift him with this tarp and place him on the gurney um and so that's always impressive to see you know this big lift process going on so um every time he had to be moved there's a there's just a big group of people just doing that in itself <laughs> is is he harder to move than a if we had a great dane i guess the great dane's not in a tarp when we move him but does it take six people to move an anesthetized great dane Dan, um, it, it can uh he's he, <laughs> their legs great dane's legs are very very long rico's legs weren't quite as long but he's very thick and very very big and the other thing that i would just add to the it went very, very smoothly. We also had safety valves along the way since he needed to be anesthetized that we would stop and send him back to the zoo if there were any issues uh, along the way. But fortunately, everything went as perfectly smoothly as it could have. Well, probably a, a testament to everybody's hard work and planning before the whole thing started. So I want to know, like, when you take a regular striped cat and you shave it for surgery, you can see the stripes kind of in their skin. So did you have to shave his elbow to do the arthroscopy? And does he have that the beautiful jaguar pattern in his skin like like a regular cat would? We did. We did have to shave him. Uh, we had to shave him in an area for an intravenous catheter. Uh, and we did have to shave his arm. Um, and, uh, he does have that pattern underneath his fur. Um, not, not quite as, um, uh, vibrant and, and amazing, but his, his skin does have the beautiful, beautiful Jaguar pattern. He is a magnificent, magnificent cat. Oh, so cute. So we just have a couple minutes left. So, um, Django, do you want to take a minute and what did I not ask you that you want to be sure that everyone knows about this really incredible procedure that happened at AMC? Um, I, well, I am absolutely honored to work with these guys. It is, it is, they're beautiful creatures and, um, it's, it's really great to just be near them. Like Dr. Specter Dan said, but another thing is, is that the, <laughs> the extracting uh, the other option for this would have been perhaps an extraction of, of this tooth. Um, and, uh, that would be actually a lot more work than doing the root canal. Um, and so I have had to extract some teeth uh, of large carnivores and they are so difficult to do. Their bone is feels like it's made of concrete. And so I'm always would prefer to do a root canal if at all possible. We obviously need to do something to these teeth or they will be painful and infected for the rest of their lives. So, um, and, and they also use these fangs and their teeth so much. So this tooth was broken down fairly low, but there's still a good portion of it that he can use to pick things up. So I have to cut you off and give Dan a chance in the last 45 seconds. How are the kids? The kids are still excited about this. Incredibly. 
They asked for pictures. They asked, we actually, as it turns out, live around the corner from that zoo and are members of the zoo. So they can't wait to go as soon as he's back on exhibit and get the chance to see him. They oh. don't stop. They constantly talk about uh, our zoo cases and, and specifically Rico. Oh, that's, you know, that's such a great thing. I think that if you're a listener from the New York metropolitan area, then when Rico's back on display and all feeling better, I think that's a wonderful place for everybody to go. And the nice weather is take your kids and go see Rico and his friends at the Turtleback Zoo in New Jersey. And thanks so much to Dr. Spector and Dr. Martell for being on Ask the Vet. And when we come back, we'll take your our listener callers. We're back with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus on Ask the Vet. Call now with your pet questions on Sirius XM Stars. Welcome back to Ask the Vet on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's now time for this month's animal news. It's time for animal headlines, the biggest animal news from across the world. I'm just fascinated by birds, and this is a great time in New York City to see birds of all types as they're migrating to their summer homes, and they make a stop by in Central Park. Um, I also am a big fan of the Cornell Laboratory of Ornithology, who has created many years ago now an app called Merlin, which helps you to identify birds, and I use it all the time. The original Merlin bird app has had 1.2 million downloads and users can identify a bird by clicking on where's the bird, is a bird in a tree, is the bird in a pond, what color is the bird? And then it gives you a selection of birds to help you figure out what one you're actually seeing. And it used to be that you could, if you saw the bird, then you could play a little clip of the bird chirping or calling or singing. But now the Merlin app has this great new addition, which is that you can use your, your phone's microphone to record the bird singing. And then the Merlin app will tell you what bird is singing. And that helps me a lot of times because I'm, I'm not sure if I've identified the bird correctly, but if I can get it a, a sound bite of it singing, then I can double check my bird ID by Merlin identifying the singing bird as a blue jay. And I think I see a blue jay, then I'm pretty sure it's a blue jay. So this is Merlin's sound app has been great fun. And this project took serious citizen scientists along with the Cornell Laboratory of Ornithology, which has a the Macaulay Library database of 3 million archived and annotated bird photos, plus 1 million bird sound bites. And all these were uploaded by the bird community to help everyone uh, have more fun identifying birds. Um, so if you have been thinking about becoming a bird watcher, download the Merlin app and head out because this is a great time of year in the Northeast to see all kinds of birds migrating through Central Park or, or the park near you. The second story might be my favorite news story. And, and this is about someone who has been in the news before, Fiona. Fiona the hippo in Cincinnati. Fiona was born 
five years ago and instantly was an international celebrity. She was born six weeks premature and weighed only 29 pounds, 70 pounds less than the average baby hippo. Fiona managed to survive and Fiona had a huge team of veterinarians, blood bankers, physicians, and all kinds of people working hard to save little Fiona's life. And she survived against all odds and now is a healthy five-year-old adult hippo who weighs 1,300 pounds. And she's going to be a big sister. The zoo staff at Cincinnati were surprised about the pregnancy of Fiona's 23-year-old mom, Bibi, but got, is getting very excited to welcome a new baby, Hippo. Given Fiona's condition at birth, scientists at the Zoo Center for Conservation and Research of Endangered Wildlife are closely monitoring Bibi's pregnancy. And so stay tuned. We'll hope we can make an announcement about a new sister for Fiona, sister or brother for, for Fiona in the near future. If you're thinking about a summer getaway, and all of us are thinking about that right now, um, and you want to take your dog with, then this news story is the one for you. The top 10 pet friendliest cities in the United States was just announced by Best Places and Motel 6. They based this on criteria compiled by a customized database and were able to identify cities that had the best access to dog parks green spaces, hiking trails where they welcomed furry friends, and proximity to pet stores, veterinarians, dog-friendly restaurants, and dog-friendly patios in the area. And the top 10 pet-friendliest cities were Santa Monica, California, Rockville, Maryland, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, Newport, Rhode Island, very upscale, Gloucester, Massachusetts, Richmond, Kentucky, not Richmond, Virginia, uh, Bend, Oregon, Asheville, North Carolina, and Charlottesville, Virginia. If you want more information on the top 10 pet-friendly cities from Best Places and Motel 6, just Google that and you'll the website will pop up. I'd love to hear from you if you have a pet health question. Just pick up the phone and leave me a message. It's that simple. I'll answer your questions on next month's Ask the Vet. And the number to call is 866-993-8267. Leave us a message and I'll answer your questions. And now it's time to answer questions from our listeners. The first question today, is someone whose dog is slowing down. My question is, um, I have a dog who has uh, some, it's slowing down as far as walks go, less tolerant and less able to get on bed, my bed and climb upstairs. And so I'm just wondering if, uh, what kind of a problem this would be and where I start first. Um, diagnosing what this is and what can help it. Thank you. So dogs slowing down, I have to give the caller a big gold star because a lot of people attribute their dog slowing down just to normal aging. And, and that's probably not true. So things to think about when your dog is slowing down is, has your dog gained a lot of weight? 
And is it just not able to jump up on the sofa or do the stairs like it used to? And one of my patients very gets also gets a gold star. She's lost five pounds and she can jump on the sofa again. The other thing to think about is if this pet has lost a lot of weight, is the pet weak because it's sick in some way and losing weight and is no, no longer strong enough to jump up on the stairs? So both weight loss and weight gain could account for this caller's dog's problem. Another common thing to think about would be arthritis. Um, if the dog is achy and creaky, its sore joints may not be able to to do the stairs anymore or go for a long walk. And veterinarians have a lot of different medications that can be used to make creaky sore dogs much more comfortable and improve their mobility. There's drugs, there's nutritional supplements, there's diet, there's special exercises, acupuncture, um, all kinds of things that you can do to get your dog moving again. Another thing to think about in a dog who's not moving is, is the dog weak because it's anemic? And that's not something that a pet owner can really diagnose on their own, but weakness is a common clinical sign that we see with dogs who are anemic. And that dog, of course, needs a big medical workup. Another consideration would be a neurologic problem. Are the legs not got the proper neurologic um, stimulus anymore so that they walk well? Or does the dog have a muscle problem where the muscles are weak and unable to walk for long distances or go up and down the stairs? So this caller needs to make an appointment with their veterinarian because all of these things can be uh, assessed during a routine physical exam and with some basic blood work. Uh, so remember, old dogs don't just slow down because they're old. They usually have a problem and there's something that we can do about that. So good luck to our caller who unfortunately didn't give her name. Our next call comes from Jacob. Hey, this is Jacob from Charlotte, North Carolina. I have a question. So I was wondering if dogs and cats or and if animals can get COVID. And if they do, which pet would likely get COVID, the dog or the cat? Thank you. So this is a really important question right now because uh, a lot of people think that there's a little bit of a COVID surge coming our way. And certainly New York's color is changing on the COVID map as we speak. So both dogs and cats can get COVID. All the cases of dog and cat COVID uh, seem to have come from the people with whom they live. And so the first thing to do is remember, if you or your rest of your family has COVID, you need to quarantine the people who are sick away from everyone else. And everyone includes the dog and cat. Uh, cats are the um, more likely species to get COVID than dogs. And remember that cat means not only the domestic cat, but lions, tigers, um, and other exotic big cats have had COVID in the past. In fact, the first animals reported in the United States with COVID were actually the big cats uh, just 
10 miles north of the Animal Medical Center at the Bronx Zoo. And I believe that um, in one of our prior Acevet episodes, Dr. Callie talked a little bit about the big cats uh, at the Bronx Zoo with COVID. The probably the most susceptible animal to COVID would be the mink. Uh, mink have been affected with COVID uh, worldwide, um, and that's put a, a big problem for the mink farmers. And also, there's a report this week that mink have given COVID to people. Uh, the good news is most of us are not exposed to mink ever. Uh, I've never seen a mink in my entire life. So uh, they're not a big risk unless you happen to be a mink farmer. And then remember that ferrets, hamsters, uh, are other pet animals that could get COVID. And so again, if your family has COVID, dogs, cats, ferrets, and hamsters need to be kept separate from the people who have COVID. And then finally, uh, deer. Deer are probably more susceptible to COVID than dogs or cats. And so just a warning, don't feed the deer in your backyard because we don't really know what the risk of COVID-infected deer are to people, uh, but there are, have been a number of surveys now in the United States in multiple locations, and deer show evidence of being infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID. So, Jacob, that was a great question because our animal friends can get COVID and the risk to us is probably limited, but we are the risk to our dog, cats, hamsters and ferret pets. And when we come back from the break, uh, I'll have news from the Animal Medical Center. We're back with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus on Ask the Vet. Call now with your pet questions on Sirius XM Stars. Hi, welcome back to Sirius XM Stars Channel 109 and Ask the Vet. Don't forget that I would love to answer your questions on next month's show. Just pick up the phone and leave me a message on our toll-free voicemail. It's that simple. I'll answer your question on next month's show. And the number to call is 866-993-8267. And now news from the Animal Medical Center. I hope you've had a chance to check out the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center's 2021 Year of Comprehensive Care report. And I'd like to share a couple of highlights with you. In 2021, AMC's busiest day was May 11th, coming up, the anniversary of which is coming up very shortly. And our veterinary staff on that day in 2021 cared for 269 animal patients. And that is 100 patients more in one day than our average uh, patient population. So that was an incredibly busy day. In 2021, our biggest patient was Elwood, a 194-pound dog, and we had a tie. The tie was for our smallest patient, who weighed 1.4 ounces, and that was a parakeet named Dolly and a mouse named Lewis. And in 2021, AMC donated over $4.5 million in charitable care to those animals who were less fortunate than our own and um, needed the help and support of AMC to get better and return to their families. 
If you want to learn more about the Schwarzman Animal Medical Center's 2021 Year of Comprehensive Care Report, just log on to amcny.org and put YOCC 2021 in the search bar. The Schwarzman Animal Medical Center is proud to provide pet parents everywhere with access to free, accurate, and trustworthy pet health information from our USDAN Institute for Animal Health Education. They have a pet health library, which is an online platform to search pet health information from the veterinary experts at AMC. The USDAN Institute also presents free monthly virtual pet health events and a free weekly newsletter containing useful pet health information and tips. All of our past USDAN pet health events, including the Book Lovers Club events, can be streamed from AMC's website. Now, on May 11th, Dr. Weiss hosted an event called Liver Shunts in Pets. And many of you know Dr. Weiss, who's the head of our interventional radiology and endoscopy service at AMC. And during that event, Dr. Weiss discussed diagnosis and treatment of liver shunts, including cutting edge technology that allows for a minimally invasive procedure to correct a liver shunt. The video of that event should post very shortly and be available on amcny.org. So if you happen to miss the event, please check our website and watch the recording. Coming in June is kidney disease in pets. And this is sure to be a popular presentation because kidney disease is one of the most common diseases that cat owners face. So on June 15th at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time then, presented by Dr. Navid Edadali, who is the service head of hemodialysis and extracorporeal therapies at AMC. And Dr. Edadali will discuss development and treatment of kidney disease in pets, how to recognize the signs, and how to care for a pet who has kidney disease. As always, registration for this event is free, but required because if you don't register, we can't send you the Zoom link. So please visit amcny.org and type in events in the search bar to find the link so you can sign up for Dr. Edadali's kidney disease presentation. I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Daniel Spector and Dr. Django Martell, along with all the listeners and callers today. I want to especially thank everyone who's downloaded the Ask the Vet podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you have a question about your pet's health, I hope you'll call and leave me a message so I can answer it on next month's Ask the Vet program. The number to call is 866-993-8267. Don't forget to check us out on social media. We've got Facebook, The Animal Medical Center, Twitter and Instagram are both AMCNY. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast episodes. Just look for Ask the Vet. And I'll be back next month here on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. Thank you and have a great month, everybody.